Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, What more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. Today's podcast is brought to you by newspapers.com, the ultimate destination for exploring the mysteries of the past. If you're fascinated by true crime, get ready to dive into the stories that made headlines. Newspapers.com offers a billion pages of historical newspapers from the U.S. and beyond, and you can search the entire collection in seconds. Their vast newspaper collection is a goldmine for eyewitness accounts, crime scene photos, news reports, and more. Whether you're interested in famous crimes or long-forgotten cases, Newspapers.com gives you a front-row seat to more than 300 years of history. For our listeners, Newspapers.com has a special offer. Use the code CUPOFMURDER for an exclusive 20% discount on your subscription. That's promo code CUPOFMURDER at Newspapers.com. Sign up today and start unraveling the true crime mysteries that keep you up at night. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cop of murder... Some mysteries seem doomed to remain as such, while others, remarkably, get their questions answered. On October 25, 2017, a decades-long mystery was solved when the remains of an unknown set of bones was finally identified. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. In February of 1993, an episode of Unsolved Mysteries aired that would have many itching to solve the wild case. Told by a man shadowed in silhouette and given the fictitious name of Gabby, the audience learned that in 1986, this man moved away from Thermopolis, Wyoming, and for one reason or another, decided to leave behind some of his belongings in a shed that he gave to a friend named Newell Sessions. One of those items was a locked footlocker. Agreeing to move the shed off Gabby's property, a few years later, he returned to Thermopolis and picked up some of the things he initially left. Unable to take the footlocker at the time, it sat untouched for about six years before Newell, unable to stand the suspense, decided to finally open it up on the night of March 30th, 1992. With several friends gathered around, Newell grabbed his blowtorch and destroyed the lock. Upon opening the case and finding the top tray completely empty, he removed the first level and, covered in a piece of plastic, was a human skeleton. Complete shock settled over the group as Newell's wife, Daisy, asked what he planned to do about the macabre discovery. 
he decided that the best thing to do was to give the bones a proper burial. But she, putting her foot down, insisted that he call the local sheriff. He agreed, but before doing so, he tried to get a hold of Gabby and let him know what was going on. Answering the car, Newell asked Gabby if he remembered the footlocker that he left behind. Gabby said that he did, but admitted that, in the time that he owned the piece, having purchased it from a garage sale, he never once tried to open it. Having no memory of where or when he got it, Newell told him about the skeleton. Completely taken aback, Gabby said he thought Newell was joking and almost couldn't believe what he was saying. After insisting that he was telling the truth, the pair got off the phone and Newell called Sheriff John Lumley. Immediately after hearing the strange tale, Sheriff Lumley decided to run a full background check on Gabby and discovered that the man had several run-ins with police over the last handful of years. Not understanding how this man never once opened the footlocker in his possession, especially after moving with it from place to place over the years, the sheriff decided to talk to a few people around town and ask the hypothetical question of, if they themselves purchased a trunk or a footlocker from a garage sale, would they open it? With a unanimous yes, the sheriff's suspicions of Gabby only grew stronger. However, claiming he was curious and intended on using the piece as a tool chest, Gabby said that he did try to open it with a skeleton-type key, but was unsuccessful. He said he didn't have a hacksaw and, in the end, felt that it was too much work to open the piece and just let it remain a mystery. Things were getting stranger by the minute. And just two days after Newell's shocking discovery, the story took a sharp turn towards criminal when x-rays revealed that lodged in the skull behind the left eye was a bullet. Shifting to a murder case, Sheriff Lumley decided that he needed to speak with Gabby face-to-face. Flying to Arlington, Texas, the Footlocker's former owner was pretty vague about the details. Claiming he might have bought it in either Wyoming, Iowa, Illinois, Arizona, Texas, or Oklahoma, he said that he might have purchased it in 1973, but wasn't entirely sure. The sheriff plainly told him that he didn't believe his stories, but Gabby, claiming he did nothing wrong, said he really wasn't worried about being a suspect in the case. Finally tracing the lock to the 1930s, and with Gabby being just in his mid-40s at the time, Sheriff Lumley came to the conclusion that Gabby was not the one who placed the remains in the footlocker, but did say that he thought the man might just know who did and where it came from. Gabby, of course, said he knew nothing, and at one point said he was, quote, a little irked by the whole mess. With little to go off of, the sheriff decided to turn the skeleton over to the Wyoming State Crime Lab in Cheyenne in hopes of finding some new details and learn for the first time that the remains belonged to a Caucasian male in his mid-50s to 60s who stood about 5'8 or 5'9 and was shot with a 25 caliber Colt semi-automatic pistol with a 2-inch barrel a gun heavily produced in the early 1900s and readily available in the U.S. around 1908 by a gunman who was right-handed at close range. Also found inside the case was a belt and a rotted plastic bag from a popular Iowa supermarket, High V's, with a logo that was used up into the early 1950s. These details put the murder sometime between the 1940s and the 1960s, and from what they could tell, the skeleton at some point had been buried before being put in the footlocker. 
As for the container itself, it bore markings that indicated that someone in the U.S. Armed Forces, possibly the National Guard, used it and served sometime between World War I and World War II. Though both the lower leg bones and one hand were missing, and several nicks were found on his ribs that might have been made by passing bullets, the skull was intact enough that a 3D facial reconstruction was done in hopes that someone would come forward with some sort of information. Things would remain a mystery, however, until October 25th, 2017, when DNA testing was finally advanced enough to give Gabby's bones their identity. His name was Joseph Jr. Mulvaney, born January 3rd, 1921 in Mattoon, Illinois, and just 42 years old when he was killed. Piecing together his life with the help of his family members, Joseph was an Illinois National Guardsman with the 130th Infantry, who was deployed to the Pacific Theater during World War II. After his service, he became a railroad worker in California, married a woman named Mary Alice McLeese, and together they had three children, Catherine, JJ, and Patrick. Mary Alice also had a son from a previous marriage, John David Morris, who up until this point of the story had been referred to as simply Gabby. In 1961, the family moved to Des Moines, Iowa, where Mary Alice grew up, and in 1963, they purchased the house and settled down officially. Shortly thereafter, however, Joseph Jr. Mulvaney disappeared. He was never reported missing, and according to the children, they were told that he simply walked out on them. Always believing their father met some sort of foul play, when Joseph's granddaughter, Shelley Statler, was a teenager, she learned about Gabby's bones from a newspaper article and told her father that she believed they belonged to her grandfather. She later said that she did not, quote, pay much attention to it at the time. But as the years passed, she became more and more interested in her family's history, specifically in the man who walked out on her family. As she researched her elusive grandfather, she became convinced that the skeleton from the footlocker must be him. Teaming up with her mother, Catherine Mulvaney Gyne, the pair tried to contact the Wyoming authorities about their suspicion, and Catherine herself, Joseph's own daughter, tried to contact Unsolved Mysteries. With nothing coming out of those calls, when the sheriff's office in 2017 finally agreed to DNA test the set of bones, the sample was tested against Catherine and came back as a 99.99% certainty that the remains belonged to her father. Sadly, the youngest of Joseph's children had passed away in 2001 before he was ever identified, and Newell Sessions passed away in 2003. Though they cannot prove it, the family now believes that Mary Alice shot and killed her husband in April of 1963, and at some point had John Morris, who was then just 16 years old, dig up the remains and put them in the footlocker. Mary Alice died in 2009, but at the time, had been estranged from her family for the past 10 years. According to some of the sources, John Morris took his own life years after the skeleton was found. But according to others, he is still alive and well, having maintained that he knew nothing about the footlocker or who was inside. No charges have ever been filed, and in 2019, Joseph's remains were released to his family and he was given a full military memorial service. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. 
Please join me again tomorrow to a terrible thing happened on October 26th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.